Well, hello everyone. Welcome to He Said, She Said, where faith intersects with culture. With your favorite father-daughter duo, David and Natalie Domino. Our quote for the day is, the greatest prison people live in is the fear of what other people think. That's by David Ick. Could you imagine having a last name I like that? And it's spelled like I C K E. And if David is listening, please take no offense. It's a great quote. The greatest prison people live in is the fear of what other people think. And that's truly a prison. So, well, just want to introduce our, our topic today. We're going to be talking about a lot of things, and we've decided that this is going to turn into two podcasts because we yes. can't, we can't, I mean, to. To really do this justice, this discussion, it could take possibly more than two, but we're going to give it two podcasts. There's been a lot of discussion on gender identity, sexuality, and most recently there's been some legislation passed in Canada and in the United States that addresses issues relating to the treatment of the LGBTQIA community and educational practices surrounding gender identity. In addition, President Biden voiced his support during the State of the Union for the HR bill, which we'll kind of detail what that what that what that's all about, is being presented to Congress, the Equality Act. In addition, there's a new bill that was passed in Florida that has been coined the term don't say gay, but it's actually titled the parental rights in education. Natalie has done some research into that, so she's going to explain what that means. Um, And before we dive in, I think we need to clarify that though this episode may touch on these bills, we're addressing how Christians are to respond to the LGBTQI community, both politically and interpersonally. And uh, being a pastor, being in ministry for for years, I know that the church has not handled this appropriately. Um, It's caused a lot of of repentance. offense and uh, and angst in in the homosexual community. Uh, Christians need to do a better job, certainly, at at opening up dialogue, but certainly loving loving that that community. So I'll talk from my perspective as a a pastor, um, and I'm going to have Natalie define some some terms. I just listed a whole bunch of letters, and you may be questioning, what do all these letters mean? So Natalie, my lovely daughter, is going to explain what they mean. Yes, so I'm sure most people know what these letters mean, but we're just going to go through for people that are not aware. Um, And feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I'm learning about this as well. Uh, But we're just going to start with L. L um, is lesbian, and that generally refers to same-sex between uh, woman to woman. Gay is uh, same-sex attraction between male and male. Bisexual is you can be attracted to both genders um transgender is when you are born either a male or a female and you transition to the other gender uh the q is queer or questioning uh intersex is when a person could either be born with male female chromosomes um, reproductive organs and asexual generally refers to not having um sexual attraction attraction or feelings to an individual so those are just kind of base definitions and we might dive into those um, in another episode but we wanted to just explain to people the the basis foundation of what these words mean Um, but I'm going to pass it on to my dad Uh, for him being a pastor of a church I think it's important and him being a spiritual leader to kind of address uh, not only the Christian community but um, the the non-Christian community about our views towards uh, homosexuality, sin, 
and how we believe Christians should uh, treat others, um, just on a person-to-person level. And before I do that, I just want to mention the second pop- podcast is really going to be a, around the theological framework. What do we think that, what do we believe that Scripture says about right. homosexuality? So we're going to dedicate that second podcast to the theological side of, of things. Um, I want to mention a book. Uh, occasionally we're going to give book referrals, and we'll, we'll certainly cite articles that we draw information from. But there's a really good book that I read called Embodied, and it's by Preston Sprinkle. Again, it's Embodied, Transgender Identities, the Church, and What the Bible Has to Say. One of the best books, and it's, it's a, I want to say fairly recent, but I think it might have been written like maybe five years ago or six years ago, but mm-hmm. I just found it fairly recently, and I read, read the book probably in about a day, day and a half, and it's just a really good book. It will, it's very helpful to the Christian community, but I think anybody who really cares about the, the homosexual community, this is a, this is a must-read. And particularly for the homosexual community, if, if you're listening to this podcast, I would encourage you to get this, get this book because it gives probably a perspective that you have not heard from, from the church because you often don't get loving responses. So mm-hmm. I can't speak for the rest of the church, but um, I'm a pastor of a, a church in the inner city. We have, I believe, a clear understanding of what the Bible says about homosexuality, which we'll ex- explain in the second podcast, but we take a loving approach to uh, to anybody that comes into our building, and all are are welcome, you know, with certain exceptions. I mean, you can't run around naked in the sanctuary. <laughs> no, I mean, there are exceptions. <laughs> so, um, just a, a quick disclaimer: we are Christians that err on the side of love, that hold a biblical worldview. It's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast. We believe our biblical worldview inter intersects with uh, with every other area of our of our life. We realize that there are many views that Christian holds with regards to the subjects that we're talking about and, and specifically this subject. There's there's a lot of theology. There's there's mm-hmm. some theology called gay theology, which you know I, I have an issue with and we'll talk about that in the second podcast. So among the Christian community there's still a lot of debate and disagreement. Um, Another reason we're doing this podcast is so we can have open, respectful conversations with with even Christians who might hold a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, It goes without saying, because this is our podcast, these are our own personal opinions that we have carefully prayed through and thought about, and so we're going to approach this as sensitively as, as we can. Christians have been accused of being calloused and unaccepting towards the LGBTQIA community, which has certainly been the case. This has been somewhat justified, and uh, we are not arrogant to how or ignorant to how Christians have treated the LGBTQ community. Um, we openly criticize such behavior, and, and if we can apologize on behalf of the Christian community, I would do that. But you can't do that. Yeah. I can only apologize for my behavior. I don't. I can't apologize for somebody somebody else, um, and I can't apologize to the larger the larger church. But I can tell you, you know, being a Christian and being a pastor. Um, I, I, I'm grieved when Christians respond that way to anyone, quite frankly, any group of people. Um, so we, uh, we, do, uh, we, we can only control our own individual behaviors and responses, but we are saddened when, when such behavior occurs from the, from the church. So I will openly condemn it. And by the way, we're allowed to do that with, with one another. You yes. know, we, can, we can judge one another. Yeah, I, I know that's a lot of Christians say, don't judge me, you can't judge, but the Scripture doesn't say that. It just says, uh, judge someone the way that you would want to be judged. 
Yeah, it actually says open rebuke is better than secret love. And I think as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to hold each other accountable. But yeah. that's a whole different conversation yes, it when it is. comes to we non-believers can, and believers. And Can we sideline everything and just talk about that? <laughs> no. So much of this episode, I really want to focus on the bills that have been passed and what is the Christian response to that. But I want to provide some instruction for the Christian community uh, who we're proud to be a part of, what our response should be to to anybody uh, that we come across. There is a difference between acceptance versus approval, and I'm going to touch a little bit on acceptance and pass approval on to my dad. Uh, but I did go ahead and look up the terms for acceptance, and it's pretty self-explanatory. It's the act of accepting. And we believe that everyone is created in the image of God and has intrinsic value, each and every person. Uh, and because of this, we're called to love each other as Jesus loved us. That's just John fifteen twelve talks a little bit about that. So we are called to walk in love. Therefore, we treat others in love. Uh, and that's part of the whole accepting one another. But approval is a whole nother ball game. And I'm going to pass that on to my dad. I just want to say something about acceptance because because the Christian community and the secular community throw these two words words around and they think they mean the same thing and they, they don't. Mm-hmm. The Christians are accused of not being accepting. And by that definition, well, and some Christians may not be accepting. They may not treat everyone like they're created in the image of God. But everyone, whether we believe, Christians believe, that every human being is created in the image of God, whether they recognize it or not. But because Christians believe, well, at least we believe that, I mean, Scripture says this, that mankind, male and female, and male and female were sexed body. they had sex bodies. Uh, it's very clear in, in Scripture, male and female were created in, in the image of God. So everyone is an image bearer. I believe, and I know you believe, and everybody in our church believes that Everyone is created in the image of God, and because of that, they have intrinsic value. Mm-hmm. They're to be treated. They're, they're to be treated like they they carry their image bearers of, of God. Like there's there's like this there's part of God in every in every human being. So just because of that, it doesn't matter what your perspective, your opinions are. You have value, and we accept you for that. We accept you as a human being. As part of the human the human race, whatever your perspective is on on certain issues, so mm-hmm. um, I, I I would say Christians should be accepting of anyone. Absolutely, Christians even if they they disagree with homosexuality or someone's lifestyle, they should be accepting of them as image bearers. Now, there's a difference between acceptance and approval. And approval is an expression granting permission. Um, not that I can permit or not permit certain people's behavior i can only do that in my own home when you kids were living at home and i can't do that anymore so i'm not living at your because house you're not living at home <laughs> no more so i can't i can't whoop them into submission you know but uh, that's a joke yes that is a joke because because i never i never whoop them okay maybe maybe occasionally maybe a few times maybe just the boys times. yeah just the boys i don't think i ever did i ever spank you i think i might have spanked you no you once. did you spanked me once because i i beat david well, and you deserve that I did. I did. But it was but it was an open hand. It wasn't a closed. It fist. was a belt actually. Oh, it was not a belt. <laughs> it was a switch. It was a switch. <laughs> my, <laughs> Clearly a very Here we scarred go. by ADD this incident. is kicking in again. <laughs> my my mother, my if my mother's going to listen to this podca- podcast, she's going to wonder why I, I shared this information, but my 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 grandmother 
would make my mother and actually all the kids go out and pick their own switch when they misbehave. No way. From the weeping willow tree. Really? From the weeping? Yeah. And I'm just thinking, cool. How ironic. If I got to pick, I'd pick like this little twig. It's like, here, whoop me with this. That would not work for me. It seems counterproductive to have the child pick their stick. Kill the rabbit. We're going down a rabbit. Back to approval. Back to approval. It's an expression of granting, granting permission. Now, I mean, th- that, that's the Webster's Dictionary definition of what it means. But, but basically is, um, you know, Christians should be accepting, but that's not the same thing of a Christian approving of behavior. And we, we get our values and our ethical stance on things from the Bible, and the Bible's clear about what is good behavior, what is bad behavior, what, are, what is appropriate relationships, what is inappropriate relationships. And again, we're going to talk more about the theological things and, and the biblical things next podcast, but, but we believe that, that Scripture clearly says that, that homosexuality, that lifestyle, living out that lifestyle in action is um, is basically walking in disobedience. It's inconsistent with, with what the Bible says about what, what a healthy human relationship is, particularly a sexual re- relationship. So um, we can't grant approval because those that framework comes from Scripture, and we believe that Scripture clearly speaks out against that. That does not mean that you can't lovingly communicate that, but but you know basically people who disagree with that they're they're taking a moral stance and a moral position saying saying well well there's nothing wrong with that well where where do they come up with that that moral framework so you know we're going to have to agree to kind of disagree mm-hmm. on, on that point um, and again we'll talk about the the biblical position on the uh, or in the next podcast so yeah anyhow and I think I just want to like add into that. Um, I am surrounded by a, a, a fairly large community of people who identify as lesbian or gay, and some of them mm-hmm. are my best friends. And we are able to communicate our differences, but still have loving relationship towards one another. And I think sometimes people, especially in my generation, believe you can't be friends with somebody just because you hold different beliefs. Um, yeah, and I just don't think that's true. Well, and if if Christians are going to in, influence culture, they better be hanging around with other people that that might not be Christians. And not to mention, we can learn some things from other people who are not Christians or 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 people who of, of other faiths. I mean, I have a variety of different relationships where, you know, I learn a lot about them, the people themselves, but learn a lot about different perspectives and different re- religious beliefs by by being willing to sit down and, and, and befriend people who think differently than I do. And my goodness, if Christians don't do that, how are we going to function in the world? I mean, we become narrow-minded no. and myopic, and, you know, it just, it, it's, just not, it's just not healthy. And I have, I have friends who, who, are, who are gay. We have people who fellowship in our church who have struggled with that lifestyle and are actually walking in, in, in victory you know, so uh, there's just beautiful testimonies of how, how, how God meets you where you're at. And I think we as Christians need to meet people where they're at, mm-hmm. not point a finger in their face and say that you're doing wrong or you're thinking, thinking wrong, but love them into the community. And then once you, once you establish a relationship of love and trust, then you can talk about, you know, these things. So. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, it's Jesus who's going to change the heart Absolutely. of a man. Uh, and we should trust him to do so. Uh, so 
I want to dive into the bills and we're going to start with the Equality Act because I think that parental rights to education, um, that's very multifaceted and we'll probably be focusing mostly on that. That's the HR, that's the HR5 bill. No, the HR5 is the Equality Act. The Parental Rights and right. Education yeah. um, is the 1557 that was passed in Florida. But the Equality Act, there actually was a bill placed in 1960, I believe, and that was pro, it was basically saying you can discriminate people based on sex, uh, gender identity, um, skin color. That was all in like the civil rights. Well, the bill era. prohibits discrimination against those things. Right? In 1960, it right. allowed it. Yeah. But okay. the Equality right. Act that they're trying to pass right now, which I'm pretty sure it passed the House, uh, this bill prohibits the discrimination based on sex, gender identity, uh, sexual orientation in areas including uh, education, federal funding, employment, housing, credit, stuff like that. And when you read further down, uh, the bill expands the definition of public accommodations to include places or establishment that provide recreation, exercise, amusement, gatherings, goods and services, transportation. Which, and you know, whether you're a Christian or not, this should concern you. And we'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk about some of those that. things. Yeah. And uh, at the end, it says this bill prohibits an individual from being denied access to a shared facility, including a restroom, a locker room, and a dressing room. And I know a few years ago, that was a really hot topic about allowing people of, of their identified gender to use certain restrooms. But what really stuck out to me when I was reading this bill is it prohibits the discrimination of someone who identified as whatever using goods or services and i just thought back to a few years ago there was a case i don't remember what state but there was a christian couple that Mm -hmm. denied baking a cake for a gay couple that was getting married and this bill would essentially say that that christian couple would not be able to stand by their moral belief framework and not bake the cake for them so i kind of just want to get your opinion on how christians are supposed to respond to this bill in an act of love but still stand by their convictions don't bake cakes don't bake cakes don't bake cakes and then you'll never have to deal with this that's true but uh, essentially at some point we're all gonna have to deal with this in some way or another i mean everybody is going to approach this a different way but Mm -hmm. to be honest with you if if i was a cake baker which you wouldn't want me to be. You wouldn't want my dad to bake you a cake. <laughs> yeah, you certainly wouldn't want me to frost it, but um, I could probably bake the cake. But making it look pretty is just uh, a different story. A different story. But anyhow, but if I owned a cake baking operation, to be honest with you, I probably would have baked the cake. Yeah. And given it to them because I, I'm not marrying them, and I would not marry a couple. You know who are who are gay. I would not marry a same-sex couple. That's why this bill concerns me. That that eventually they're going to say that a church can't discriminate against the couple who wants to be married. That's that's. I mean, that's one of the concerns. There are other concerns, but mm-hmm. I always want to err on the side of being loving. Yeah. And I would have just I would have just baked baked the cake. It's not my business what they're going to do with the cake after I right. after I bake it. Right. I would bake the cake and I would have someone else decorate it and make it look good. <laughs> have someone else decorate it and make it look good. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, Fair maybe, enough. Maybe maybe Pastor Kevin from from Bethel, who's our children's pastor, would <laughs> would frost the cake for frost me. the cake for you. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I also just want to point out, like my my dad said, he wouldn't marry a gay couple. 
I also want to add, he would also not marry a couple that's practicing premarital sex. That's right. So I just want to clarify the differentiation. We don't, uh, oh, what's a good word, single out the homosexual no. community and their sins. We treat all sin the same. Well, again, you know, our ethic, we just didn't come up with it on our own. It comes from the Word of God, and we believe it is the Word of God. Um, man penned it, but the Holy Spirit or the Lord directed men what to write, and the Scripture's pretty clear on ethical and moral issues. That's where we get our ethics from. And uh, any sex outside of marriage is prohibited in, in Scripture. So that, that's, you know, someone who's shacking up with their boyfriend or their girlfriend and, and sleeping and having sex. Um, when we, when, before we marry somebody, we, we do some premarital counseling, and, and those are some of the questions that we ask. Now, that doesn't mean that if someone has done that in the past, they've repented of it, now they're moving on, or, or uh, maybe they're actively involved in it, but they realize it's wrong and they don't want to do it anymore. I mean, Paul encourages people to get married so, so that they don't actually sin passion. because he knows that <laughs> compulsion in us, that, that we're sexual beings. We're, you know, we're, and God made us that way, and it's okay, and the church needs to talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. And the, it's still taboo among much of the Christian community. Very taboo. You need to get over it. Scripture has a... Song of Solomon. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody was talking to me about the Song of Solomon. It was a young, it was a young guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. He, he was saying, Is, does, isn't there like a, a chapter in the Bible that's very sexually explicit? <laughs> you know, I, I think I'd like to read that read that i'm like you're talking about the song of solomon i'm like i think you need to stay away from that right now good like to read that for people who who aren't familiar with the bible song of solomon is it's pretty explicit about um human human nature and sexual drive between man and woman down to talking about the sexual organs and everything it's very explicit um Yeah. So hopefully, if if you're uh, if you're not interested in the Bible, we've created some <laughs> some interest. Start and you're with gonna that wanna, book. <laughs> so now, so all the non-Christians who know nothing about the Bible are going to say, "I'm going to get a Bible and read the Song of Solomon." Yeah, and then maybe you'll start reading the rest of it. Well, it's but but it's in there. <laughs> it's in there because in a certain relationship, it's oh, it's okay. Yes, we it's are okay. not condemning what the Lord created us to do. Right. Yes, right, but so. in the confounds of marriage is what we're essentially talking about. Right. Um, sorry, I totally so good clarification, got us... and it's my fault that we went on the right Yeah, trail. I totally got off track. Sorry. Um, at the end of the bill, before we move on to the parental rights and education, the bill prohibits an individual from being denied access to a shared facility, including a restroom, locker room, and dressing room. I think this could get a little dicey. Um, this, is, this is actually, this is happening, though. This is happening, happening in our public school system. It's been happening on the colleges. I mean, we're, we're, there, there's all sorts of lawsuits that, that parents are, are filing because there's a guy that, that feels like a girl. Well, maybe he's felt that way for a long time, but now he's joined the women's. I can't remember what team it was. It might have been a, might have been a basketball team, but now the boy is changing in the girls' in the girls locker room. Mm-hmm. I mean, Anybody who's a parent should be absolutely concerned about that. You know, some some guy, you know, some who who might be who, who might have who might feel like he, he's a woman wants to go in the woman's bathroom and your little girl's in there all by herself going to the bath. I mean, so th- this creates some really really touchy situations. What what I what I would prefer when it comes to bathrooms in general yeah. is is to have just single bathrooms where only one person could be in the bathroom. Right. Kind of like the, the family bathrooms that some restaurants have. So I'm not saying 
that somebody who's who's trans or gay, um, you know, like if you want to create a, another bathroom or a single bathroom, then that then that's fine. But you know, we have the right to protect our children against what what we we think could be inappropriate behavior. So yeah, and I think I think it's hard. Um, so I don't think my father's trying to say that. Um, most transgenders are predators, but there we do no. live in a sinful world, and, and people will use and abuse um, the laws that are being passed for their own gains. Yeah, but we're specifically—I was specifically talking about young kids, and and I think everyone knows that young young kids and teenagers are pretty unrestrained when it comes to sex, when mm-hmm. it comes to sexual things. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, you know, a, a guy, a heterosexual couple. You know, a boy and a girl, a teen, sharing the same bathroom in the locker room is concerning. Concerning also, yeah. we would never do that. Right. We would just never do that. But, but because that guy all of a sudden identifies as as a girl, it's it's okay now for him to be in a girl's locker room. It's it's just from a rational perspective, it just does not make sense to me. But you know, we'll we'll talk about the ethical thing. We're primarily focusing on the pra- on the practical right now. Yeah, and so. the bills. Right. Um, I, I mean, this bill also kind of talks about transgenders in the participation of sports and recreational activities. And I know there's been a lot of talk about that recently of transgender uh, females participating in uh, female sports yeah. and that creating males participating in female sports. Is that what you Bo- said? Born male transitioning right. to female participating in female sports, and that's kind of created an unlevel playing field. Um, mm-hmm. I think there was an Olympian that was actually um, yeah. born male transitioned to female and was participating, and there's been a lot of talk about that recently. I don't know why feminists are not up in arms about this, but the, the feminist community has been pretty silent when it comes when it comes to this. I mean, some people have vocalized their disagreement with it, but by and large, the feminist community has been very silent when it comes to that, and they should be, they should be up in arms and very, very vocal ab- about this. Because, because I mean, what if what if your daughter, what if your daughter or a friend of yours was participating in some sort of college college event or, or uh, potentially going to be an Olympic athlete, and and a girl is running against the guy or swimming against the guy? Obviously, that's not fair. Right. Um, but you know we don't want to talk about the biological difference between a man, man a woman, and, and a woman because you know that's sexist and that's inappropriate, which is just absurd. The world's, in, in my perspective, the world's gone a little bit a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. It, it's gone way overboard when it comes to these things. So and 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 we feel that these bills are are, are going to potent. They they have the potential of going way overboard and creating absolutely dangerous situations for for our children. I, and I'm mo- most concerned about children who are put in these really uncomfortable positions and vulnerable positions. Right, and they feel like they don't have a voice to speak against. It. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this one is this bill is the hot topic right now. Um, it was coined the term "Don't Say Gay" bill, and that's been on all the news articles. But I actually went up and looked the bill itself online and it's actually the parental rights in education and this, this bill, is the next bill that we're talking about yeah, yeah. this is the yeah. next bill and this one was recently passed in florida and i want to read this might be a lengthy but i want to read through the whole bill so we really understand what it is because there has been a lot of misinformation on what the bill is so the parental rights in education requires district school boards to adopt procedures that comport with certain provisions of law 
for notifying students' parents of specified information requires such procedures to reinforce fundamental right of parents to make decisions regarding upbringing and control of their children. And this, I think this is the part that got people really, really upset. Uh, prohibits school district personnel from discouraging or prohibiting parental notification and involvement in critical decisions affecting students' mental, emotional, or physical well-being. Prohibits classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in certain grade levels. I think that's important to note. Requires school districts to notify parents of health care services. Authorize parents to bring action against school district to obtain declaratory judgment and providing additional award of injunctive relief, damages, regional attorney fees, and court, yada, yada, yada. But I think what people are really up in arms about is, which is why it coined the term don't say gay, is prohibits classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in certain grade levels. And I think that's super important to know. It didn't Maybe I didn't read the rest of the bill, but I wasn't able to find what grade level they're talking about when you can start talking about gender identity and I don't think they've determined that yet. I'm not sure they have because I couldn't find any information on it. Some articles were saying like third grade and below, um, but don't quote me on that because I'm not really sure. There's a lot to unpack there, but I kind of want to start with it. And dad, this is where you can kind of uh, jump in on then, on this. Do you think... It is the school's responsibility to educate children on sexual orientation and gender identity. I wish he, I, I got to I got to start with this. I I had uh, I shared a message about I can't remember the the exact message the message or the title of the message, but I talked about the three realms of godly government. Uh, th- this discussion from a Christian perspective is really important because God God it's very clear in Scripture that God. Um, ordained three types of government. One is civil government, the other is family mm-hmm. government, the other is church government. It's very, very clear in Scripture, all, all through Scripture. Um, I think it's dangerous when when you fuse or confuse those different realms of government. Now, I could, I could honestly say that because the church has neglected its responsibility— to take care of widows and orphans and those people in need and people who, who are in poverty. Yeah. And the church has done a lousy job with that. Someone had to step in and it was gov- government. The problem with that is government can't provide that relationship, that accountability that a family structure or a church structure, quite frankly, can, can provide. So therefore they just dole out money. And then they they enable us, uh, you know this yeah, this certain behavior, which is a whole other topic. Social welfare, but, it, but it's but it's re- it's related to this. Most the public school system they are they are state schools. They're essentially government run schools. Oh yeah. So they're not. There are private schools, and you you can there are there are certain things that you can get away with because we live in a free country in a private school that you can't get away in a state school or a government-run school. Well, public schools are government-run schools. So when when you're starting to get into sex education and certain things that I think is the parent's job, you know, that, that other, other governmental structure is that family structure, mm-hmm. parenting, um, then, then I think they've overstepped their bounds. Um, personally, this is another... Po- podcast also <laughs> i i have an issue with public schools period 
for lots of reasons, yes. period. But I think that they need to stick to academics. Yeah. You know, math, English, science, you know, biology, well, th- things like I think, that. I, I don't think they have any business teaching sex education. Biology, yes. Reproductive organs, yes. We need to know what the parts are there for what they, and what they do. But, but those, that, that in-depth birds and the bees discussion about you know who should be in what sexual relationship. I don't think it's any of the any of the, the school's business in it. I was going to say a bad word, an adjective. <laughs> it makes me mad. Makes him mad. I'm just going to say it. It pisses me off. It makes me mad when 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 the school oversteps its bound and tries yeah. to parent parent your kids, and that that just upsets well, me. What happens when parents aren't parenting? Like, I mean, there's a lot of situations. And good question. I, I work I, I work in these environments where kids their parents are not educating them on sex safe sex and kids are getting pregnant at 12 13 years old so i um i think it gets hard because in an ideal world in let's say a nuclear family setup a mom and dad will educate their children on safe sex and hopefully abstinence but if that's not taking place within the home whose responsibility is it well, that's why I think the church needs to step, step up. up because because it says that we're to be a father to the fatherless and a mother to the motherless. You yeah, know, it goes without saying, you know. So so I think there is a breakdown in the family structure and culture. It, it's it's a mess. I, and I would say I would say single single parenthood or or a fatherless fatherless well fatherlessness is is an epidemic it's an epidemic and it's much worse in certain culture groups but it's it's an epidemic in american culture period probably an epidemic in 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 western culture i it is the number one the number one problem and it's something that the church is called to 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 fill in the gap so if there's a breakdown in that family structure there's no father in the home then the church needs to be a father to the fatherless so i think Mm -hmm. the church needs to step up and in in help with with that issue i do i i still don't think it's the school's business mm-hmm. or the state state's business because god didn't design he designed civil government to basically um create a civil society protect people protect us from killing killing from one killing another, other. and protecting <laughs> other countries from from killing us that's yeah. primarily what government's for but government just got so big it became everybody's mommy and daddy Everybody's school teacher. When schools first started, they were community schools, and they were taught by taught by parents of the kids that went to those went to those schools. Now, mm-hmm. schools are teaching all sorts of philosophies and ideologies that are Listen. inconsistent with what the parents want. So, I I would encourage you, parents, if your kids go to public schools, get on the school boards and find out what they're teaching your kids, because there are other issues that we could talk about. We will talk about in other yeah. in other episodes and other podcasts that. That you know, they're they're you, you and you probably don't know the kind of stuff that they're teaching your kids, other than the the, the major academics. Like, well, I mean, in my my ministry, Tacoma House, some of the kids will come in, and they'll say things that they're being taught in school, and I cannot believe that these teachers are teaching teaching the kids these things because they're in third fourth grade. They don't they're not conceptualizing the concepts that are being spoken to them. So they're just saying these outlandish things, um, and it makes me nervous for for children in other schools that don't have family structures at home to kind of talk to them about these issues and what's really going on. But you said something about the church stepping up, mm-hmm. and there was a program that I think started out of Bethel, but it was an abstinence program yeah. that they taught in the public schools. 
Uh, and, and by they, the way, we're in Ro- Rochester, New York, where we're between Buffalo and Syracuse. But that was that was actually state grant money. It was state grant money. Yeah, and uh, and we had a group of people that were teaching abstinence in the schools. Yeah. And the public school system in the state thinks that's unrealistic. Well, well, kids are just going to have sex, you know, so abstinence not going to work. That's not a solution. Well, actually, that's a great solution, and you can actually teach kids to be abstinent. Um, but they just think that's unrealistic. It's it's like when they started passing around hypodermic needles in the schools. Well, because kids are going to use drugs, so we may as well provide them with clean needles. That's just dumb. Kids are going to kill themselves. I don't see people passing out guns, you know. Well, that's not the same. It is the same thing. It's just ridiculous. Teach You, you teach people how, how to behave wisely. Yeah, and- well, government just doesn't do a good job with the whole prevention model of anything. They're always putting a Band-Aid on the problem. They never want to... Go right. from a, a well, again, approach. again, because God didn't design government to do that. Right. Government can't hold people personally accountable, but the church can. The, the church family, can. the family can. So, where where the family structure is breaking down, the church needs to step up and provide proper proper family structure, and and the government should not be enabling um, dysfunctional dysfunctional families. And again, I don't want to get into that that discussion. (laughs) That's another podcast episode we'll definitely be diving into. Um, One more thing that I want to touch on, um, which I think this is super important, and I'm I'm all for this, is prohibiting um, schools from doing anything with the children without the parent's approval or notifying the parent. There was a situation, and we're not going to go into this, I'm just going to say, but where a child was vaccinated without a parent's permission. And I, I can't believe that actually happened. And I think this bill is important because now the parent has the right to sue these schools for what they're doing without their, their knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there are, this is related to schools, but, but there, are, there are states in our great country where a, a young person, I can't remember the age, but a young person could sexually transition without the permission of, of their parents. I mean, it's just... Really? Yeah, the world the world's gone mad, and I think parents need to really get involved in their in their public school system. And you have a right to know what they're teaching. They have to tell you what they're teaching. You can require them to give you the give you the curriculum. You might have to pay for the books, but I don't see why they just don't give the books to the parents. I mean, we pay for it with our taxes, but but we can we can require them to. To, to provide you know what is your curriculum what what are you teaching my kids what books what books are they they reading and a parent can say I don't want my kid reading that book and they have to give him another book well or I her actually know um, someone one of my friends she she has custody over um, her sibling or her nephew or whatever and she went to the school and she said if you're talking about critical race theory or uh, gender identity I want all your curriculum. And you have to notify me when you're teaching it, and I would like mm-hmm. to sit in on these classes. And I thought that was so huge of her to do. And we can condemn the government and school systems all we want, but it is the parents' responsibility to be held accountable and responsible for your children and what they're learning. Yeah. So be proactive in getting involved in your ch- child's education. I think that's super important. And I would say this to the Christian community. You need to become advocates. You need to become activists. You need to, you need to not be walking around ignorant or apathetic and and just think that that your kids are being taught things that are appropriate or consistent to your values and i don't care whether you're a christian or not you should want to know what they're teaching your kids um so 
again, if we if we st- stuck to the basics, if the public school system would stick to the basics, mathematics, science, English, literature, history, things like that, then we probably wouldn't have to worry about most of these things. But the problem is the school's starting to be mommy and daddy, starting to be the pastor, and they're teaching things that are inconsistent with the values of values of parents. So parents, get involved. Yeah. Get on the school board. If you can't get on the school board, at least find out what they're teaching your kids. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, so, yeah, just a message to the church. Like, we need to step up in a, yeah. in a lot of ways. And we're capable of doing that. And God has assigned all of us to a purpose to be ministers in our own community. So I definitely encourage you to get involved, especially in children's lives. There, I for, I set a statistic on our first episode about the fatherlessness rate. I think it's like one in four children in the United States are living without mm-hmm. a father. So we need godly men to step up and be fathers to these children. Same with women to, to daughters. Um, so yeah, I think we can kind of conclude this episode with a call to the church uh, on what we can do to better steward the world that God has given us. Amen. And also, I, I, I want to end by saying, if anybody who's listening to this podcast who is a Christian, you know, the, the question has been posed, can someone who's gay be a Christian? That's why we want to have another podcast, so we mm. can really dive into answering that answering that question. Um, but I will say... Uh, to the homosexual community, God loves you. We love you. Yeah. Um, we may have disagreements as to what Scripture says about the, the, the different lifestyle choices, but I can tell you we are called to love our enemies even. Mm-hmm. And, and not that the homosexual community is our enemy, but if we have to love our enemies, then that pretty much says that we have to, we have to display love, love to everybody. That's the, that's the whole point. So yes. our first position as, as people of... Who, who are called to be Christ-like, that's what being a Christian means. It means by being like Christ is to be loving. And if you read anything about Jesus' life, um, the only time he ever really got torqued was with rela- religious people. In the church. In the church. <laughs> um, he, expra- he explained extravagant love towards everyone else, and particularly extrav- extravagant love to those who are on the fringe. Oh, absolutely. You know, so, and, and we're to be called... We're called to be like that. So uh, we just want to let anybody listening who, who might be struggling with this or maybe you're not struggling and you've made a decision and you're comfortable with it, we want you to know that we know and we believe that God loves you and we love you too. So uh, yeah. we're going to close out our uh, episode. What episode is this? Have we determined? I think essentially this is episode one. I think we're calling it episode one. We have an introduction to the podcast that we're not calling episode one. So this is our actual, literal episode one, and our next one will be episode two. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, unless we want to read it, forget it. No, episode it. two. But thank you all for listening. We're very excited to dive into this. Yeah. So uh, this is uh, David Domina and... The Daddy-Daughter Duo. The Daddy-Daughter. We're signing off. So thank you for joining us for He Said, She Said, where faith intersects Sex culture. culture. Woo! See ya!